So we are in our third week of an exciting series that we've been talking about. What is it going to take for us to change the world around us? What is it going to take for us to touch the community around us? And we've been talking about how that, like with anything, anything that you want to be successful at, anything that that you want to to be uh, triumphant in, you have to be willing to give it everything that you have. Uh, Yesterday I was watching a basketball game and they were talking about a player and they said he comes in and puts up uh, over 300 shots a day. Just three different times he comes in. And why? Because he's trying. He, he has decided that that is his goal in life at this point. And as Christians, our goal has to be that we want to see the community touched. And so in order to do that, doing that, Christ has to become the priority in our life. We have to, to make him more important than anything else. And so as we've been talking, we have decided that 2020 is going to be our year. It's going to be our year personally, and it's going to be our year to make a difference as a church. And so over the last two weeks, we've been talking about I'm all in. And we've been looking at four things that we must realize that if we're going to make a difference, all of them start with the letters I-N. The first week, we talked about being invited to the family of God, how Jesus invites people that others reject. A prostitute showed up at a party, uninvited, but she didn't care what the pious religious people had to say or what they thought. All she knew was, was when Jesus said, come to me. If you're weary, if you're burdened, come to me. And he said, I'll give you rest. And in that statement and in that sermon, Jesus didn't put any stipulations on who could come. He didn't leave anyone out. He simply said, come to me. Come to me. So regardless of your past situation, regardless of the circumstances that you find yourself in right now, you're invited into the family of God. Last week, we looked at the word invaluable. I am invaluable to God's work. And we learned that valuable, invaluable does not mean that you're not valuable, but it means exactly the opposite. It means that we have value. And the the enemy of your soul wants you to believe that if you weren't here, that it wouldn't matter. He wants you to feel like that you're unimportant. He wants you to feel like that you're unimportant to God and that you're unimportant to the body of Christ. But we have a role to play. When we aren't doing that our part and when we aren't playing that role, then the body does not function as if it as it should. Next week, we're going to look at the word invested. That if we're going to make a difference, we have to become invested into the kingdom. But today, I want to look at another word. The word influencer. How many of you would say that you're an influencer? So, many people, we had a few raise your hand. The majority of you did not. Why? As Nick was saying, when he messaged me about the, uh, the encounter that he had on the street in San Antonio, Texas, and he texted me, and, and here he was on a business trip in a large city, and he sent me a message, and he said, I'm getting bold. 
I just told someone about Jesus near the Riverwalk in downtown San Antonio. Now, I just happened to be working on this week's message, and, and it just come to me, you're an influencer. So that was my exact response. You are an influencer. And his response was, no, I'm not. You are. So I proceeded to tell him at that point that he had just worked his way into today's message. He didn't see himself as an influencer. But what we have to realize, and most of us, most of you, do not either. But what we have to realize is that you have no idea how one conversation, how one word of encouragement, how one expression of love might change someone's life. And my prayer is today that before we leave here, that we will come to the realization that God has called us to be an influence in this world. Now, as I begin to, to, to look at the definition of influencer, it, quickly, I figured out why that so many people do not consider themselves an influencer. It's because the definition that I found was this. An individual who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others because of their authority, knowledge of relationship with their audience. What did I just read? I mean, when I was growing up, an influencer was a teacher. It was a coach. It was a, a, a Sunday school teacher, or, or it was a youth pastor, or a pastor, or, or someone, a neighbor those were influencers, but, but today, everything that when we begin to look at that word, everything deals with social media. But Jesus, in what many declare the greatest sermon ever preached, in Matthew chapter 5, what we consider the Sermon on the Mount, he said this, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your God, your good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. So the reason that so many of us do not view ourselves as an influencer is because society has hijacked what the word influencer actually means. And so I begin to look back at my life, and I begin to say, God, who influenced me? Who helped me get to this point? Now, of course, my parents and my family played a huge role into where I'm at today. But outside of my family, who influenced me? Who was it? And so I begin to think about, at the age of 13, I was influenced by a youth pastor, now, we had all the usual stuff. You know, we had the, the rockathons and the bolathons and the, the lock-ins and the Bible studies. Uh, but, but when I begin to look at what truly influenced me, how did he truly influence me? And I, one thing, still to this day, that I remember. I remember that I went over to his house one day, and we went outside and played basketball. And he began to, to show me how to shoot a jump hook shot. That's what people who can't jump and people who aren't athletic, they have to revert to, to those kind of things. But he took his time to show me how to do that. Now, it wasn't that he turned me into a pro athlete. It wasn't that, you know, I 
got to talk after the NBA Finals and, and say it was because of this man that I'm here today. It, it wasn't that at all. But what it was was the fact that he had a family, he had children, but it was the, he took his time to spend with me. He took time. And so at that point, as I look back, I realized that at that point in time, I understood how important it was to take time for people and how that loving people was so important. About four years later, at the age of 17, I remember a state youth director, and he told me, he said, God has a call on your life. At 17, I was thinking, no, he doesn't. Or will he change his mind? He said, God has a call on your life. And he began to, to, to talk to me and to speak over my life. And, and he told me, he said, you need to check in to, to Lee University. He said, here, I've got $1,000. He said, this will, uh, this will help you. This will help you get started. He said, the money, the rest of it will work itself out. Now, there's been times every month that I send that student loan payment in. I'd like to call him back and, and say, hey, you remember when you gave me that 1000 uh, You think you could hook me up with a little more? Because I'm still paying for it. But he influenced me, and he influenced the direction of my life. When I was 20 years old, I had a professor who challenged me. He challenged my views. He challenged my thoughts. At the time, to be honest, I didn't appreciate it. I didn't appreciate the test. I didn't appreciate being challenged because I had always viewed God in, in the way that I viewed God. And he began to, to dig into Scripture with me and to begin to allow me to see that the things in my life and, and the direction and how to view God. And so looking back, Gerald Doffey helped me and he influenced me about the way that and who I am today. Then when I was 30 years old, there was a, a 40-year-old pastor that walked in the door. And I was on staff at this church, and he walks in and says, you know, basically, this, I'm going to be your new boss. Now, I didn't really know about him at first, because the first Sunday he showed up wearing a red suit with coattails in Catlisburg, Kentucky. I was thinking, this man, this ain't Louisville no more, buddy. <clears throat> but over the next 13 years, he poured himself into me. He took time for me. He spoke over me. He had nothing to gain from it. He had more important things to do he, than, than to worry with me. But there were times that I wanted to quit. There were times that I wanted to walk away. There were times that I wanted to give up. But he encouraged me. And Rick Shelby was an influencer in my life. And is still influencing me today. You see, sometimes influence you can see immediately. But there's other times that influence isn't always obvious. It's not always instant, and it's not always obvious. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it isn't happening. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it isn't happening. You're an influencer. And there's a story in the Bible about a conversation that changed someone's life. It was a conversation between Jesus and a woman that no one ever thought would have influence. So just to give you the context of the story, Jesus was on a trip, and he passed through Samaria. Now, Jews hated the Samaritans. Why? Because they were half Jew and they were half Gentile. They were thought of as less than humans. 
They were thought of as worse than dogs. So Jesus on this trip, and he sits down at a well to rest. So a Samaritan woman comes to the well to get some water. And Jesus looked at her and he said, please give me a drink. And in John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, it says, The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So then... She looks back at him, and she says, wait a minute, you don't have a bucket. That well is deep. How can you give me this living water that you're talking about? And in verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So he's having this conversation with this woman. And he's beginning to, to have dialogue with her. So she says, wait, I want this water. I want this water that you're talking about. I need it. And so in verse 16, he told her, go call your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you are now, that you now have is not your husband. But what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. So here we have Jesus having a conversation with, with an immoral woman. Jesus approached her with love in his heart. He showed her respect by talking to her. He gave her dignity back by engaging with her. She had been married five times. Now, in today's society, that would raise some eyebrows. But back then, it meant that she was shunned. It meant people looked at her and said, she must be hard to live with. I mean, five times? But all of a sudden, a light comes on. And even though she had been shunned, and even though it explains why that she had came to the well at the hottest part of the day, it was to avoid people. It's why she bypassed a closer water source. But all of a sudden, a light comes on, and she said, I've heard a Savior was coming. I heard He will perform miracles. I know that, that, that he's supposed to have love in his heart. Could this be him? Could he be the one? And in verse 28, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town, and they made their way toward him. So here we have a messed up, jacked up, hurting, broken, immoral woman. 
who started her day just like she did every other day, who wasn't expecting to have an encounter with someone that would change her life forever. She had no idea. But at that well, she had an encounter with Jesus. At that well, she had an encounter that would change her life forever. In that moment, she went from being influenced by her past and her situation. She was being influenced. The reason she was at the well, the reason that she was avoiding people, because she was being influenced by her past and her situation. She went from that to being an influencer. She went from that to being an influencer. So what does that prove? It proves this. Having your life all together is not a prerequisite for influencing someone for Jesus. Having your life together is not a prerequisite for influencing someone for Jesus. He can use you. You are an influencer. So I don't want to leave you hanging with this story. The disciples had went away to get food. So they show back up with the food and, and they hear Jesus, we got some food. Jesus, I'm not hungry. What? Don't you hate it when you make, a, uh, uh, make an effort to cook? And then somebody shows up and, or I'm not hungry. Or I don't like that. So they look at Jesus and say, what? You, you were starving. Well, what happened? I mean, I believe they even looked at each other. You know, did, did, did he order DoorDash? Did somebody bring the food to the well? And then Jesus said, my food is, to, he, he went all scripture on him, all spiritual. My food is to do the work of God. So here we are. And I'm sure the disciples are thinking, oh, here we go again. We're getting ready to get another lesson. So then Jesus tells them. He says, listen, guys, the fields are ripe for harvest. He said, but the laborers, or in our situation, the influencers are few. In verse 39, he says this, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see Him, they begged Him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two more days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. So who did God use in this moment? Who did he use? It wasn't an Instagram star. It wasn't a celebrity. It wasn't someone that that we look at and say, now they are an influencer. No, he used a woman whose name we don't even know. We just know her as the Samaritan woman. A woman who had been searching for love in all the wrong places. A woman who who had spent her life trying to figure out, making bad choices, making wrong decisions. I mean, I believe after, probably after five, that's why she said, I'm not even going to marry this one. That's the doom. But that's who he he used. Having your life all together is not a prerequisite for influencing someone for Jesus. 
you're an influencer. You're an influencer. When you greet people, when they come to church, when you help someone who is uncomfortable, feel comfortable, you're an influencer. When you listen to someone at work, you are representing the love of Jesus by not judging where they are, but loving them because they simply are. When you post a scripture, when you repost a sermon clip, you could have influenced someone that you do not even know. Maybe it's by the way that you worship. You influence people. Maybe it's by the way that you live out the Jesus that's in you. I beg you today, do not allow culture's definition to rob you from God's calling. You see, if you know Jesus, you are salt. If you know Jesus, you are light. So let your salt do what salt does. Let your light shine. Because God has created you, He's created you to influence others to the love of Jesus. I think back to about five years ago, and um, I was, we were at a restaurant, just a small mom and pop restaurant, and we were eating, and the, 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 the guy that was checking us out, taking our check, our, our money, he had a bunch of tattoos, had some piercings, but one of his tattoos was a baseball and a number. I mean, it was like on his neck or something. So, you may or may not know. I may have told you not, but baseball is the best sport. You don't, you don't like it when I tell you the truth. Because you can't handle it. But, so I look at this guy and I, I just strike up just to, hey man, what's the, you know, what's the, the tattoo for? And he began to share with me. So we began to talk. I don't even know if I ever saw him again. But, you know, I told him, you know, I pastor in downtown Ashland. I was associate pastor at the time. And never heard any more from him. Shortly after, he left and went to another job. And but about two years later, about two years later, we were still at the other location. And he walks in. He walks in. And you could see in his eyes, hurt. And he said, hey man, I know you may not even remember me. He said, but we talked just for a brief moment. And he said, when I got in this situation, he said, you were the first person I thought of. And I had to look and I had to find out where your church was. I had to come find you. Two years later, a simple conversation about a tattoo of the greatest sport ever invented. Two minutes, two years later, he walked in. And that moment, and before that service was over, he had given his life to Christ. He's now moved to North Carolina. But he still 
keeps contact with me. We still have a conversation back and forth. I haven't seen him because he moved shortly after he came to the church. But you have no idea. No idea. I had no idea that day. I didn't see immediate benefit of the influence. You have no idea how one conversation, one word of encouragement, one expression of love might change someone's life. Might change someone's life forever. And as we go forward, just as Nick said, I pray that we'll be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and that we will understand and that we will realize that an influencer is not what society tries to tell you that it is, but an influencer is someone who will speak into someone's life, someone who will show love to someone who is hurting. And you may not see instant results. Listen, there are people There are people that I've been talking to for nine or ten years now. And sometimes it can seem as if it's doing no good. Sometimes it can seem as if I'm not influencing them in the least. But what we have to wrap our minds around is that seed's being planted. And it doesn't take standing on this stage to be an influencer. It doesn't take having a huge platform. You don't have to have a million followers. All it takes is you being willing because there are people in your life that you can influence. You are an influencer. You are an influencer. So next week, when we come back and I say, how many people believe you're an influencer? My prayer is, is that with any doubt, with, without any hesitation, that you can slip up your hand and you can say, I am an influencer. I'm an influencer. If you're in Christ, you are salt and you are light. You're an influencer. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. You might be here this morning and you may say, Pastor, I'm committed to following Jesus. But I'm not the influencer that I need to be. I didn't understand 
how one conversation, how one expression of love, how one word of encouragement could change someone's life. Pastor, I want to be more influential. I want to be salt. I want to be light. I want my light to shine even brighter than it ever has. If that's you, you say, Pastor, I want to be an influencer. Just slip up your hand. Of course, all across this building. Why? Because if we're a follower of Christ, it's a must. It's a must. It's not, well, God, I don't want to do that. He said, you are salt. You are light. So right now as we pray, Father, I pray that the salt will do what it's meant to do. God, that our lights would shine brightly. God, that we will never hide it. God, that we'll let our good works reflect your love for us. And that we'll shine. God, I pray that you do not let us leave here. That you don't allow us to to move to our next step without realizing. God, we want to be an influence to someone else. God, we want to be a a word of encouragement to someone else. God, we want to show an expressions of love to other people. Holy Spirit, I pray that when you speak to us, let us be okay with being interrupted. Let us be okay with being inconvenienced. God, let our light shine in a, in a dark place. God, make us available to you every day. God, I know that you have called us as individuals in a church to influence the lives of the people around us. God, may we not be guilty getting so concerned by our own wants and desires that we forget that we are salt and that we're light. God, remind us just because we do not see immediate results that the seed hasn't been planted. God, help us be faithful. Help us honor you. God, as as we come before you, we're not perfect. We do not have it all together. But God, allow us to love the people in front of us. Use us as a church invited, invaluable, invested, influential, 
God, for your glory. Now, there's those of you here that you recognize that I go to church, but I don't really know him. And I under, you may understand that, that God sent Jesus so that you could know the love of the Father. But maybe you don't understand that, that, that the Heavenly Father is a loving, relational God. He's not a, a domin, dominant master. He loves us. And it's because of that love that we choose to obey and to live for Him. Maybe today, maybe you realize that there are some influencers in your life. Maybe you realize that you need to give your life to Jesus. And right now you're looking back over your life and thinking about the people that have influenced you. Or the things in your life. Maybe it was this message. Maybe it was a song. Maybe it was when someone showed you love. Maybe it was that grandmother who's been praying for you. And still is praying for you. Maybe it was someone who invited you to church. And there may be a series of influencers just like there were in my life. That have brought you to this moment. And you saying... I want to follow Jesus. You saying, I need His grace. And you're sitting here this morning and you may have some some hesitation because you feel like that you're not good enough. You can feel like, I'm not ready yet. But just like the woman in this story, she wasn't expecting to have an encounter with Him, but she had one. And in a moment, her life was changed Just as she was. Just as she was. That's how she came. He said she left her jar. She left. That was her lifeline right there. You have to have water to live. She didn't care. She left it behind because she had found living water. And when you call on Him, He hears your prayers. When you call on Him, He forgives your sins. When you call on Him, He makes you new. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, 